Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. I made that mistake. <laughs> Literally went about 10 minutes into a podcast the other week, realized the stupid red light wasn't on. It's an important yeah. thing to do when you do these things. All right, guys, we'll get started here. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have Mr. Ken Luna and Daryl Hilton. Guys, thank you for taking the time to jam with me today. Absolutely. Hey, for everybody out there that's listening and watching right now and kind of don't know how you find two gentlemen got started in the industry, I think what we'll do is we'll kick it off with a couple origin stories. All right, Ken, I'll start with you. How did you get started in the automotive industry? Well, um, as you can tell, I've been around for a while. So I started in uh, last century, let's put it that way, in the, in the industry. And I was recruited right out of college by a company by the name of Cars Incorporated. Uh, which was very appropriate, I thought. And uh, I thought it was a prank phone call from one of my friends, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, 40 plus years in the industry, uh, almost all of it uh, being automotive technology solutions is what I've been in. Uh, I've worked for a number of companies, uh, started out mainly training folks the first 10 years and ran training organizations mainly on the actual software that we were selling at the time, which was <laughs> compared to what we have today was, you know, teletypes and, you know, screens and you, you know what things look like. Uh, a lot, a lot of F4s and F11s, right? Exactly right. Hey, you know, you're dating yourself as well, my friend. So, so anyway, um, uh, you know, my main focus has always been, it's just been something I've always liked are, are new technologies, new solutions, um, new things to bring out to the auto industry. Uh, it can be very frustrating because the auto industry is not always acclimated toward new things uh, unless they're forced into them, kind of like what we're seeing now uh, with the digital retailing space. But uh, uh, that's, you know, to summarize my background, that's pretty much sums me up. That's awesome. And yes, I apologize. I did date myself just a little bit there. I'm, you know what? There's still, there's still dealerships out there that are using systems like that. Uh, I had, I got a, I got an email the other day from a dealership in all caps and I'm like, Hmm, I wonder which DMS you're using. I'm like, I just wrote back. I'm like, Hey, I hate you too. Stop yelling at me. I'm like, just like I'm sure you guys have gotten the all cap email from a dealer or two before in the past. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Daryl, for yourself, how did you get started in uh, the automotive industry? Yeah, kind of by accident, actually. Uh, I'm a third generation auctioneer. Uh, so my family did uh, estate auctions and, uh, farm auctions, essentially, uh, up in, in kind of mid-Ontario. And I thought, you know what, I've always been a car guy. I'm going to go learn the car business for six months, uh, go sell cars, and then I'm just going to transition uh, into the, the auction field. And uh, I fell in love with the business. I never got out of it again. I, I did do a little bit of uh, selling and, and doing the auction. But uh, as a ringman, it's tough to live in Toronto on, on what they pay uh, a guy to yell, yeah. So uh, you know, it just stayed in the industry and, and worked my way up management at 23 and, and just kept going. So I've been uh, at the OEM level as a national manager. I've done 
a little bit with tech, uh, you know, with uh, online marketing and so on. And then a lot of stuff as GSM and sales manager. And now I'm back in school and, and uh, we'll see uh, kind of what the big data future brings uh, with automotive. Yeah. The future of automotive, boy, that's a, that's a phone book, thick book right now, isn't it? Like, I mean, really, I, uh, you know, I, if, if you were to ask me a year ago, kind of what the next five years, you know, looks like, I, I think I could actually confidentially, you know, with confidence, actually kind of lay it out for you. And now, not so much. Um, there's a lot of questions. And, you know, one thing, though, I do know for sure, though, and I saw this happen during the recession. Now, this is vastly different than the recession. That was that, that was an issue of economics. This is a, a social fundamental shift in the consumer and just, well, really the world, right? And it, really what it is, is I, during times like this, dealers are going to have to process their way to profitability, right? I mean, for, for the last five years, I mean, not including the last year where we kind of had a flat year, but the five years prior to that, it was double digit gains after double digit gains after double digit gains. Like it's a little ridiculous, right? The, the ride that we had for the last five or so years, you know, now uh, just being able just to get by, it's really not enough. Like everyone's really going to have to step up their game. And that comes down to process and technology and how the two of them kind of combine. And that's going to be kind of the girth of our conversation today. But before we kind of get into that, I'd love to kind of hear what your guys' current norm is. So, I mean, Ken, I'll start off with you. What's your current norm look like right now? Well, my current norm looks like it all, it has for a number of years because I've always worked out of my home. <laughs> so it's uh, it's sort of listening to everybody else trying to adapt to it that, you know, we're in the office environment and, uh, you know, I'm with a company by the name of Dealery Process. So in our, I live in Orlando, but our main office is right outside of Chicago. So all of our people uh, had to move out of the office into their homes you know, acclimate to that. And I'm sure that was uh, you know, quite a transition for them, just like it has been everybody else in this industry. But I think what's happening now, and I don't know if we're going to do this, is that now that they've seen that people can be as productive, if not more productive, living out of their homes, um, I would not want to be invested in corporate real estate right now, uh, you know, because I think there's going to be uh, quite a shift from, from that standpoint. But to answer your question, it's pretty much same old, same old. We really haven't slowed down that much. I mean, a lot of what we're doing is building, uh, continuing to enhance and build on our digital retailing solution. So that hasn't slowed down. Uh, everybody we're working with is still there. So, so it hasn't changed that much for me, even though I know it's a huge change for the auto industry and for auto dealers. But for me, it, it really hasn't affected me that much. No, I'm with you there. I mean, I think there's a lot of dealerships out there, a lot of businesses out there. I mean, even my own that's, you know, looking at, you know, uh, what is product, what, what, what is the productivity level that we should expect moving forward? Um, you know, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm right there with you, Ken. I'm, the time that we've spent at home has been more productive than the last six months prior to that, um, even myself, I'm very focused. I, I got I, my schedule, boom, 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 boom. I mean, I know you have another one of these literally right after this one. So it's, it, yeah, that kind of seems to be the current norm for a lot of people. Hey, Daryl, for yourself, what's your current norm look like? A lot different than what it was. Uh, I was on the road daily, uh, usually commuting 
uh, hour and a half, two hours uh, each way to get to my dealers to do some consulting and, and working with them on, on things. And this has definitely uh, changed my norm. Uh, having a three-year-old and a five-year-old in the background screaming half my day, they're not in my car with me when I'm traveling. And, and so that's been one thing to get used to is, uh, you know, although I'm home, I'm not daycare. I am, I am here to focus on getting the job done and, and working with, with dealers. So it's definitely been a big change. I can't wait to get back out on the road again. Not being in dealerships is, is just weird for me. I'm spending my whole life there. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for this to, to subside and, and get back out there again. I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm a road warrior as well. I spend about 8,000 kilometers a month. Uh, Ken, that's about 5,000 miles, just to <laughs> put that into perspective. Probably a little less, but yeah, somewhere around there. Um, but yeah, man, not being on the road, gosh, I'm, get, I'm getting the itch, you know? Yeah. So like I'm, I'm fighting myself back and forth. One minute I'm like, I, I want to get out. I want to hit the road. And then the next minute I'm like, but look how much crap you just got done in the last, you know, the last four hours of just sitting there and just having to go... Exactly. Boom, 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 boom. I will say this goes any longer though. I need to get a standing desk. Like my ass is sore. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm sitting here all day long talking on the phone, answering calls, doing podcasts. Like I, I, something's going to change, but um, hey guys, I, I know, you know, we want to get into kind of the girth of our main conversation today. And I thought it was great to bring the both of you guys on. I mean, Ken, you from the digital retailing side, Daryl, you know, for, for your love of big data and just kind of how that ties into our operations. You know, I'd love to kind of get you guys' thoughts and opinions of how you see kind of the, the new norm, you know, coming, structuring out, you know, for our industry. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with this statement that the customers change. The customers' expectations went from here to here, you know, in about a 45-day period. And I, I think for the simple reason, it's just the way that they've had to, for, uh, they've had to engage with other retail environments. Right, the the amount of streamlined and frictionless experience that that many customers have had in the last forty five days, everything from Uber Eats to, you know, um, ordering groceries, you know, all, all of these very very fast, very efficient, all right, processes. I think a lot of people are going to be looking at you know the three and a half four hours they have to spend at a car dealership and go, do I really need to do that? You know, or even on the service side, do I really need to, you know, walk into a service department and sp and wait for five and a half hours to get my car serviced? But I digress, and I'm going to ask you guys this question. Ken, I'll start with you. You know, how do you see, you know, the industry or the new norm kind of evolving over the next eight to twelve months? So I I see it obviously accelerating uh, from where it was. I think it was already headed that way. Um, a lot of uh, noise about digital retailing and what it is and what it does. And, and I think there's still a lot of noise out there uh, concerning that. But um, I do believe there's going to be more and more of a shift uh, once people realize and can see what they're able to do, you know, going to a dealer's website or in my case, my son recently totaled his Mustang and uh, wasn't his fault. Everybody was okay, right? I told him, I told him I would make sure I said that. But uh, he needed another car. So he found a, a 2015 Mustang 50th anniversary on Carvana. And I said, Carvana. I said, okay, cool. I'm in digital retailing. I want, I'm, I'm going to walk through this. And I got to tell you something. Um, and we didn't have a trade-in. So in all fairness, that was one of the easiest buys I've ever had in my life. And I've been in the industry a long time. Uh, it took us 
Now, in all fairness, he knew precisely what he wanted too. Uh, so, but just from the very beginning of the process, um, they use soft pulls, which you know obviously we specialize in to make sure that the payments were accurate. And uh, you know he he knew the vehicle he wanted, went through all of the different pieces, the you know the ID, the verification, uh, you know making sure he was who he said he was, um, and then going through still had to do a hard pull, going through the contract signing, the e-contracting, couldn't sign them all because of some regulations, you know, with it here within the state of Florida, but still most of them were signed electronically. And, you know, uh, four days later, they, here comes the Carvana and there's his car. So that opposed to, and I won't name any dealerships and I've been in the industry a long time, even sold F and I systems. Um, you know, you, you go into a dealership and, and what happens if you've got two F and I managers and one sick, then you sit, for two, three hours. So, um, uh, you know, so from a personal experience standpoint, and I've had many conversations with many people and many dealers, I think everyone's waking up to that. Now, is the process flawless? Is everybody going to just flock to this? I don't think that's the case at all. I still believe there's a lot of people that want to go into the dealership. Um, and most people are very uncomfortable completing the buy online. Uh, so I think there's variations there, but I do believe that shift is happening and i don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon no i'm, I'm with you ken i mean you know the funny thing is is like this whole buying a hundred percent online it's actually not to your point you said earlier it's not necessarily a new idea I, I mean when i first started in the bdc and they didn't even call it a bdc back then but roughly about 15 years ago the the internet operations department because they didn't have they didn't have a better word for it. They're just kind of let's, let's just you know let's try to put as many hats as possible into one person. That was pretty much me. But I mean, we were drop shipping Corvettes all over the country, sight unseen. You know, we didn't have a digital retailing product at the time. We just, we didn't even know there was a word for it. We just you know someone wanted to buy something. We figured out how to ship it to them and had a local notary go out and do the documentation to ensure the person was actually the person that they said they were, and so on. So, but it, it seems like right now the technology has has gone so much better now. Where it's like back then we had to handwrite this process. Now the technology kind of comes with a kind of a, a somewhat direction of it, but I still want dealers to kind of identify the process before they get into the technology. But yeah, I mean, the, the industry is changing and the consumer is going to change along with it. I mean, I think how many, really, how many customers out there are just excited to jump back into a dealership for three to four hours? There are some, right? There, Daryl, you probably agree, right? There's probably going to be some customers that actually appreciate and like going and doing three hours of negotiation. I don't, um, but there are some. But I think there's going to be a much higher percentage than there ever has been in the past of people that are going to want to engage heavily online before they come into the dealership. But Daryl, I'd love to hear your kind of thoughts and opinion of how you kind of see the direction of the new norm for our industry developing out over the next eight to 12 months. I do think that uh, automotive dealers per se are, are some of the most resilient entrepreneurs uh, that walk the earth, to be honest with you. The, the fact that we can put a challenge up in front of them, like, uh, you know, you've got to close your doors and still sell cars uh, and have many of them succeed under those constraints is very impressive. Uh, but I do find that dealers tend to be a path of least resistance in some cases. So until they're forced to actually embrace a new norm, which they have been in, in the recent weeks, um, 
I think it was a matter of, you know what, I'm not sure if we can pull this off. Well, now I think they've proven to themselves that not only can they pull it off with success, but they did it under, under the gun and, and still managed to come out the other side in a pretty successful banner. So with that experience, I think you'll see more dealers, hopefully the progressive dealers start to open up to new technologies and say, okay, we weren't necessarily ready for this. People have been kind of talking to us about digital retail and hinting that this is the way of the future. And maybe we weren't prepared when this whole thing happened and we could have been more prepared if we'd listened. I think you're going to see a lot of progressive dealers open to new technologies, open to new ideas and open to seeing a, a paradigm shift uh, to, to benefit their customers as well as themselves. No, I'm with you. Like, kind of like what I said earlier, we don't have to process our way to profitability. It's just yep. the bottom line. I mean, I don't think anybody necessarily knows what consumer confidence is yet. You know, I mean, here in Ontario, where uh, we are, Daryl, you know, it's uh, we just opened up our doors, right? So we can full sales, full service. There's a couple stipulations about how many people we can actually have in the dealership at one given time, but nothing. We've never had 200 people inside of a dealership at any given moment, anyways. No. You know, and Alvik um, was nice enough to give us a, a very bureaucratic 28-page uh, guideline. Yeah, yeah, I could do. A, uh, Ken, just so you know, we have a, a governing body up here for the automotive industry called Amvic, and uh, there's a lot of four-letter words I can use to describe <laughs> that uh, um, that that company. But that's a whole other podcast. But uh, Ken, <laughs> Ken, what is it like it for your in your state right now? Are you guys are you guys totally open, or are you guys still having to do it by appointment only no florida as far as automobile dealerships are concerned we never really closed i mean it uh you know it was there was some fuzziness at the beginning and and some of the dealers uh decided they wanted to to pare it down on their own just for the safety of their own employees and uh it, but the the government itself uh, car dealers were right out of the chute here in Florida. They were c considered a necessity. Uh, so after, you know, after a few weeks, people started realizing that. Now, I will say this, the traffic went to nothing because there was a stay-at-home order. <laughs> so, you know, you can be open, but if there's a stay-at-home order, you're not going to have much traffic. So, so realistically, outside of people getting their cars worked on because they were just breaking down, uh, there wasn't a lot of routine maintenance going on. Uh, most of the selling that was done and most of the activity was done uh, online. And, uh, and of course, that varies from state to state here in the U.S. But uh, Florida, you know, we were one of the first ones to start turning it back around, too. And we're still in what's known as phase one uh, overall. But uh, Floridians don't like staying inside. I mean, that's just not what we are. <laughs> so, yeah, we've had a few little uh, uh, run-ins, you know, even recently of folks, you know, congregating when they shouldn't be, not too smartly, quite frankly. But, but so here, uh, it's, it's been fairly open. Uh, other parts of the U.S., not so much, as you've probably seen on the news. So I think it's going to vary from state to state uh, and location to location as to how fast, uh, you know, we're going to see the recovery. Now, I'd love to get you guys' kind of thoughts on how do you think, you know, this changes the consumer. I've done a lot of conversations on how I think this is changing, you know, the dealership. And, you know, for me personally, I, I don't, I, for the dealership, you can't just sell a car one way anymore. 
it ain't gonna work. You can't sell us or you can't sell or service a car one way anymore. You know, like every you're gonna have to have a process for different types of customers. Customers that don't have the confidence coming to the dealership versus the ones that do, and every kind of variation in between there. But I wanna talk a little bit more about how you think the customer has changed. And I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on that. And Daryl, I'll start with you on this. You know, how do you see the customer changing, you know, over the course of the next 12 months? As you mentioned, uh, obviously they're, they've had to force their, their behaviors to change. And I think, again, it gets back to the fact that the dealers accommodated the customer when they needed them most. most. And now that the, the client has seen that, I think their expectations, again, as you mentioned, have, have now skyrocketed. We've proven to them that we can sell a car the way you need to buy it. And uh, we can adapt our processes away from the processes of the 50s in order to make that happen. So I think that a customer has every right to expect a, a different way of doing business from, from here forward. And it's all uh, motivated by technology and, and the advances there. Well said. Ken, anything you'd like to add to that, you know, as far as how you think the customers change or will change over, you know, over the next eight to 12 months? Well, I think I can only speak for, you know, the digital retailing piece of it and, and the engagement, if you will, online. But um, I think customers are a mixed bag right now because, quite frankly, as an industry, we're still not there from a digital retailing standpoint. And, and I'm saying that, and, you know, we have a digital retailing system, <laughs> but, you know, most of the systems out there right, uh, right now are what I call buy now systems. Uh, that means you go to the website and buy now, and, that, and that, uh, that assumes they're going to the website to buy a car. And most people don't go to the website to buy a car. They're going there to, to look and find a car and get as much information as they possibly can. And, uh, you know, we pride ourselves here at dealery process and building the front end piece first, but there's still a lot of pieces even we have to incorporate on the back end. But, and, and so that going back to your question, you know, what people are seeing online is still not what we're envisioning. What they're seeing is piecemeal. They're seeing some dealers having nothing. Uh, they're seeing some dealers having, uh, you know, part, a piece of it. Or they're saying, buy that car right now. And they're going, well, we're not buy it, ready to buy the car right now. So I think that uh, from a maturity standpoint and where we are right now, I think the expectation is there uh, by the populace because they keep hearing it and everyone's talking about it. And you even see it in the ads on TV and you can come to our website and buy. But uh, really, quite frankly, that's a bunch of bullshit. You know, then on a lot of cases, they cannot. And I think that we've still got a ways to go before we really deliver like what a Carvana can deliver because they're, they're ahead of the curve. And, you know, I mean, that may rankle a few feathers, but go buy a car from them and check it out. I mean, it's whoever designed their system was definitely ahead of the pack on the ability to program that in online. I mean, they did it right. Car dealers can do it too. They've just got a, you know, be patient with us out here that are building these systems because there's a lot to it. And, and it's a lot different when you're designing a system for a number of different dealerships versus Carvana, who is really just one big dealership and they build it for themselves. So uh, that takes a little bit longer. But anyway, long answer to your question. But. No, that, that's, a, that's a great answer. I mean, you look at it this way. I mean, Carvana, you know, 
answered the question or brought the experience for whatever type of customer they're coming to. Uh, they, they, they brought a shopping opportunity, a shopping experience, an online shopping experience. They bought an online buying experience. They bought an online researching experience. So it doesn't matter where you're kind of coming into your funnel. They're, they, they have an experience there for you. Um, you know, when I gotta be honest with you guys, when, when I first started digital retailing and it was like this into your point, Ken, this buy now option, I'm like, well, what the hell happened to the shopping experience? <laughs> like as an industry in general, I don't even think we even nailed that one down. And we're just going to bypass that entire portion and just go straight to the buy now option. I, I was a little dumbfounded by it, to be honest with you. But I mean, I, honestly, I think that's what we have to look at is we, we have to look at our website. First things first, we have to look at our website more than just a website. Wouldn't you guys both agree? Like, I, I mean, look, as an industry, we've literally treated our website as a digital brochure. <laughs> Here's some information. Call me. You know, like that's that was the extent of how we treated it. You know, and I think we I, to your point, Ken, I think we bypassed the entire of how do we build a research experience? How do we build a shopping experience online? And then let's talk about having some type of buying experience. But uh, as an industry, I think what this time has really shown or or you know, shown to dealer principles specifically is that we have to be treating our digital real estate equally as important, if not maybe even more important than we do our physical uh, real estate, which may beg the question, what is more important? That might change. Daryl, what's your thoughts? Um, I, again, it gets back to the shift that, that we're going through. Uh, it's amazing. Even when you look at it from the OEM level, uh, you can tell between manufacturers who sees their online presence as a tool to drive additional traffic or to uh, grab additional customers from the competition. Uh, and then those who, who really don't invest that money. And I mean, there's, there's certain dealers or OEMs that do a great job with that shopping experience online, being able to spin the car. And there's others that have stagnant photos where you basically get one three-quarter shot of the front end and hey you know come and spend $175,000 with me it'll look similar to this so uh, it's a tool I think that that the automotive industry has to go to automation I think that uh, to create a very stable process for the customer we have to take as much of the emotion and the, the personal touch out of it as we can uh, by still allowing the consistency, the brand consistency that the OEM wants. So there's a fine line there, I think, with um, how technology should be leveraged and, and take some of those shopping experiences out that are subpar in, in some situations. No, that's, that's totally true. I mean, I think for anybody out there that's watching and listening right now, I mean, this is, you know, we're pushing you. It's time to step up and, and take that digital real estate and make it a true priority. Um, you know, Ken, I'd like to get your thoughts on what dealerships can do to generate that shopping and that research experience, um, knowing that there's amazing technology out now that, that can support our buying portion of the process. So uh, to support the buying portion of the process, you have to have proper engagement. And if they're going out there, uh, the, the prospects are going to your site, which is in essence your digital storefront, which is the way that we envision it, is that you've got to give them as much information as possible and it needs to be accurate. It can't be, and I'm not gonna name any names, it can't be here, come price your car out they don't even try to even find out what their credit standing is. They just assume they've got good credit. And 
Some of them will say, here, go to Credit Karma to find out what your credit is. And, and, and they're getting the wrong type credit score. So, you know, I tell those type dealers, I just say, listen, you need to train your employees for combat. And they say, well, what are you talking about? They said, because when that person comes in and he thinks he's got a valid payment and he finds out he's $100 a month higher because of the way you structured your site, the only thing you can do is get your guys ready for combat because you're about to go into combat with that individual. And it happens all the time in dealerships that are not paying that close of attention to what they're placing on their website. Um, so I believe and I'm prejudiced because we try to build what we're building accurately, that those type systems can actually do more harm than good. Uh, you know, you're, you're better off just saying, okay, here's what our cars cost. You know, give us a call and we'll tell you, we'll work with you or whatever. But, uh, and it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy to do that or build something like that onto a website, but, um, you know, I'm prejudiced. We use soft pulls to help a lot of that. And that's one of the things we specialize in to get around that. But I'd say most dealers are still not there. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, we're, we're using this word digital retailing and we're just kind of, it's like this all encompassing, you know, I don't know, buzzword. And I'm getting a little mad at the usage of it because I mean, retailing to me is full retail. So that means from when someone can enter into the top of their sales funnel and they're going to do their 45 to 60 days worth of research and then they're going to get into the shopping part of their process. Then they're going to get like that to me is digital retail. That's encompassing the entire thing, but that's not how we're wording it right now. I mean, I've, I've seen some digital retailing products, which I got to be honest with you guys are nothing but glorified building price functions. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's far from it. Um, you know, Daryl, I mean, I'm curious because Ken's alluding to something that's more common in the U.S. than it is here in Canada. And that is a credit first approach to buying a car. And, um, you know, I'm not originally from Canada. I'm originally from the States. Uh, I know a lot of people are surprised when I say that because I got such a Canadian accent. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I was surprised. I was surprised when I first moved to here to Canada about 10 years ago, I was very much so surprised to find out that the credit application was something that was reserved for after the negotiations. Hell, it didn't even happen after a test drive. It happened after you negotiated a payment, then you pulled the credit. Um, Daryl, what are your thoughts as far as, you know, a credit first approach versus kind of a, a credit last approach for dealerships? I think the credit first uh, approach is definitely the way that we need to go, especially coming uh, on the outside of this uh, pandemic. There's going to be a lot of people who were impacted financially as a result of what happened in the market and really, really good people who were just on the unfortunate side of, you know, unfortunately they had to close their shop or people Absolutely. great, great credit for a long term um, and now have a little bit of a bruise. And it all depends on how businesses and companies report this downtime is there going to be a bit of a, a grace period per se you know between uh march and and you know june of this year for for people who have maybe missed a payment or two or is that going to have an impact what is equifax what are what is transunion going to do uh and how is this going to be reported and how is this going to impact lenders is there the human side of that so um to ken's point i think that's that's a very valid point in fact my previous job was a, uh, in a in a business where we did everything online. We delivered about 150 cars across Ontario every month, and it was all 
uh, credit app online first. We find the car free based on your credit. And it's not just people with Rouge credit who take advantage of that. There's people that don't know where their credit is. They're afraid to go into a dealership and be laughed out. And salespeople don't necessarily do a good job of hiding their emotions after they spent two hours, three hours selling a car, <laughs> usually a full pop, they've got bad credit. And oh, yeah. then to find out when they go in the box that the credit is not good, right? And so it just creates an, an overall embarrassment, bad experience, and frustration on the salesperson part. We need to lead with credit app now. We need to let people feel comfortable, apply online as long as we have the security uh, protocols in place so that their uh, personal information is secure. But I think that's there's no doubt that that's where the future needs to be. And there's a benefit to the dealerships. You know how much data and information you can get if more people are applying that way? It's, it's, it's a win-win. Win. Exactly. You know, I, I'm I'm 100% with you. I mean, there's there's just so much more customer service, but also opportunity to screw up too. So, it, it, you know, put, taking a soft pull, which I'm I'm a huge proponent of doing soft pulls, um, just feel for me is a customer service. I, I It helps me prepare what I need to prepare so the customer gets the right information. And I'm not just taking some wild ass guess as far as what this customer can or cannot actually do. Um, but there, I mean, I think what's probably put a bad taste in people's mouth is that there have been dealerships that have taken advantage of this and don't use that information in the proper way. But, um, you know, for Ken, for a lot of dealerships up you know, that are listening to this podcast here in Canada, and, and they're not too familiar on what it means to actually be able to pull a, a soft pull online. Can you kind of walk me through, you know, kind of how your company does that and what a dealership can do with a soft pull credit? Sure. So, I'll try not to dive in too deep. <laughs> so, and, and just one thing, uh, Canada's getting there. So we are in discussions with uh, uh, both TransUnion uh, and Equifax up in Canada, experience not even in Canada, uh, but uh, those are the two main bureaus that we're in discussions with. And uh, it's different and it's gonna take a while and it's not gonna be as rich as what we have here in the US, but um, it's coming. Uh, versus nothing, which it, it has been up until now. So here in the US, uh, basically the way it's used, and we and we and it's not just in digital retailing, we have a number, we have hundreds of dealers that use it just for the experience of get get pre-approved. And that's if, so if you see that on a website, well, it can be misleading because that can lead to wherever the dealer wants to lead it to. A lot of times it leads to a hard pull, but if they're using it properly, get pre-approved leads to the softball process. And really, with a, from a softball standpoint, we use what's known as a pre-screen. There's two types. There's a pre-qualify, there's a pre-screen. Pre-qualify will give the dealer a full return, just like a, a hard pull. The problem with it is, technically, the law says you have to get a signature to do that. And the way the bureaus have kind of gotten around that is they ask about a thousand questions, what they call out-of-wallet questions, to get somebody to that point. And we found that when you ask all those questions and everything else, people go, screw this, I'm not doing this. So we went to the pre-screen. Uh, the pre-screen is very simple. Uh, we don't ask any questions. All we need is the name and the address and the email address of the individual, and that's it. Now, what the law states is uh, the FCRA, the uh, Federal uh, Consumer Reporting Act, uh, specifically what it says is, okay, 
you can do that. But if you do that and they pass, then you've got to give them an offer of credit. So what we built into our system is a firm offer of credit that is built by credit tier within the Bureau. And then we uh, initiate an offer for the dealership, depending whatever the dealership sets up, that offer goes out. It's actually a marketing piece. And, and Capital One is the top one at this. I get a letter from them every week saying I've been pre-approved. Now they do mass batch pre-approvals and they're abiding by the law, sending out, you know, saying you've been pre-approved. Uh, in our case, we show pre-approved up to a certain amount as low as a certain APR. And that goes out from the dealership. We even integrate it with the inventory uh, to show them what their offers can be based upon new used or CPO. So it's that sophisticated, but it's not that costly. And you're right, it is a customer service. I mean, everyone you talk to that says, I can get pre-approved and I don't have to give them up my social and I don't have to answer all these questions. And the answer is yes. So, uh, and the dealers that use it, quite frankly, do extremely well with it. And, and it's not really new anymore. I'd say, you know, it's in the thousands here, but it's, I would say the bulk of dealers still don't have anything like that on their website. Well, and look, at the end of the day, it's supporting the shopping process. You know, when, when I shopped, I wanted to, okay, fine, that's what it says I can buy it at. But I mean, is that the, is that the actual interest rate that I'm going to be approved for? Um, right. and, and I don't know why, you know, um, approvals or credit are such a taboo conversation because I, I, I have found, you know, being an FNI manager myself, the customer has no problem talking about it. Like, but as an industry, we seem to, we just automatically assume that the customer doesn't want to have the conversation, you know, for whatever particular reason. I have no idea why. But I, I think it's going to be things like that that's going to lead us to that pro, uh, processing our way to profitability. And a lot of those processes start online. Look, look. The day before, you know, the, the days before when we treated, you know, uh, internet customers as second class citizens. I mean, right? Like we never, you know, oh, those internet leads. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. What, that's gone. I mean, I think dealerships have to accept the fact that there is no such thing as an internet lead before. Everybody is a bloody internet lead now, right? Everybody started their journey online, all right? And, but we have to be there to support that journey. We have to create that online process. Um, and I think that's a good question I'm gonna ask for both of you guys is for dealerships out listening, watching to this, and they're shaking their heads and they're agreeing with us going, yeah, guys, I'm with you. This sounds like a good idea. You know, what does a proper online process look like? You know, and I think once they've identified the process, they can go backwards towards the technology and get the technology that's going to support the process. But I'd love to get both of you guys' thoughts and opinions of what you think a proper online process is. Daryl, I'll start with you. Well, obviously, the lead itself is it needs to be handled as if they walked into your your front living room, uh, essentially, and, and welcomed and, and so on and provide them with the information they're looking for and, and the quickest possible uh, process. And, and the key is transparency provide all the information. I think it, the consumer is looking at the very beginning of the process. They're looking for the dealer that provides them with the most tools that they can make an educated decision on upfront, easy to find. Uh, and that translate that experience online has to translate into the face-to-face -face experience uh, in person. And I would say a dedicated team of internet sales representatives, more a product genius type uh, person who can walk through is, is 
based on the amount of leads they handled, not necessarily a commission based, but a bonus structure with a salary, that type of person, I think is going to help uh, long term uh, really create the more of a concierge type experience uh, to transition from online into the dealership. That's, that is actually a really good point. I mean, who wants to get sold? Nobody wants to get sold to anything, right? We want to be able to create a relationship and have a bloody conversation before we go any farther. And, you know, I think that's a great process. We just have to simply ask ourselves, like, from a tech perspective and from a people perspective, are we prepared to just have the conversation? the way the customer wants to have that conversation and in the length that they want to do it, right? I mean, how many times have I heard of salespeople go, oh God, those internet leads, like, like I got to email like 18 times and like, you know, they, they never respond back to me. And it's like, well, because you end every single email with like, when can you come into the dealership? Like, how, like just, I guess what it is, just really treat them like a human being, you know, and, and have a conversation. But, you know, to your point, Daryl, like we have to have the right people and we have to have the right tech to allow us to have those conversations. I, I Here's one that really, really gets me like going is like, I'm still dumbfounded by the fact that on all websites out there, all right, we still only ask for two forms of communication, email, which I mean, guys like, okay, let me see how many, how many emails. I have 177 unread emails right now. Oh yeah, that's going to be an amazing way to communicate with me or phone call. Yeah, because you know I'm going to answer that while I'm sitting here doing and having these conversations with you guys. Like it's like two of the oldest forms of communication, right? No one's being asked like, you know, would you like to uh, LinkedIn message? Everybody knows if you want to get a hold of me, LinkedIn message me, right? Because I live there, you know, or Instagram message. What's your handle? We can reach you out there, you know, or text message. Guys, the Nissan Armada that's sitting right now out in my front yard, all right, I bought it almost completely via text message, you know? So communication, the right communication tools and the people that are gonna use those is key. That's a good one, Daryl, thank you so much. Daryl, I think that's that was an amazing point. Thank you for that. Um, guys, look, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation today. So I get to ask my one last question before I let you guys go. And uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today because this has been a lot of fun. But before you go, one last question, what is pissing you off? So Ken, I'm gonna start off with you, sir. What is pissing Ken Luna off? There's no baseball. I mean, come on. I mean, I, I'm with I you know, on. you know, I want baseball. I don't care if there's fans in the stands. I watch most of the games on my TV anyway. So, you know, get your heads together, owners and players, get out there and start playing baseball. That's what's pissing me off right now. I'm with you, man. I, I miss a $10 beer and a, and a stale hot dog. That's what I'm missing. Um, <laughs> Hey, Daryl, for yourself, what is pissing Daryl Hilton off? Well, I, I'd like to go down the hockey path, uh, but it just with the weather, it, it doesn't seem like a hockey conversation. But uh, one thing that, that is pissing me off per se, and it's, I'm going to go back to automotive. I know this, this is kind of open forum, but um, you know, I, I think we need to start planning our business long term. And I don't see a lot of dealers planning long term uh, for the future. And I think that uh, what's pissing me off is the transaction by transaction mentality of many dealers. When you look at uh, getting a bank reserved over having the optics on your customer base, if more dealers had optics on their customer base during this recent pandemic, you could do a transition, targeting your own customers, understanding where they are finance wise and keeping them in house. But too often we're chasing that $500 reserve bump. Uh, and losing optics on our customers. And we need to get our head around the fact that, you know what, 500 bucks today 
could cost you three, four, five, six thousand dollars over the lifetime of that customer. If they write off their car, guess what? The OEM and the captain is going to tell you, hey, this customer just paid out. You better contact them. Scotiabank or TD or Royal or any of those other banks are not going to call the dealer and say, hey, by the way, you should be aware of this. So that's something that I think dealers need to get their head around is long-term planning. Look at their overall portfolio uh, and create a strategy to deal with that. So sorry, it was automotive based and get hot. No, back no, that, that, that was great. In fact, actually, that's such a rich topic. We might have to just come up with another podcast just on that topic alone. Um, hey, guys, for everyone out there watching and listening right now, I would love to connect with you two fine gentlemen. What is the best way to do so? Ken, I'll start off with you. So the best way to connect with me is, uh, is even though you said it earlier, is, is email because I'm always on the phone and uh and I can respond a little better uh, to email. So it's, uh, it's kluna at ecreditminer.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a fairly decent presence on LinkedIn, and I can respond to you there as well. Awesome. Thanks, Ken. Hey, Daryl, for yourself, what's the best way for someone to connect with you? LinkedIn is the easiest. Uh, I'm on there a lot. So uh, please reach out anytime and, and please add me and I'd like to meet as many people in this great industry as I can. Awesome. Hey, guys, thanks so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun.